1: Uh, Welcome back or two afternoons on SEN, whichever category you fall into. Wonderful to have you on board this Australia Day public holiday. If today's a day of celebrating for you, then I hope you're having an enjoyable day. And if today's not a day of celebration, uh, then we're thinking of you and getting our arms around you as well this day. Does mean different things to different people, and that's uh, okay. One uh, 736 The midday madness promise is alive and well in the pipes' absence. If you call, you get on the Warrigal Beer open line number one 736 and we're here for Brick Lane Brewing. Brick Lane's one love pale ale. It is the taste of summer, uh, and summer always uh, is encapsulated by cricket. It is the taste of summer from a sporting uh, buffet point of view, uh, and the lead voice of all things cricket on that buffet, if that analogy makes any sense at all, is a man that never gets his words jumbled in the manner that I just did, The skipper of the SEN Test Commentary team, Jared Whateley. Hello. Sam, hello.
0: Happy Australia Day to you. Uh,
1: and to you too, G. Um, Day one of this second test, we spoke yesterday and tried to figure out what it's a reasonable expectation for this West Indian team. And at uh, five for 64, was it? Or five for 66, I think our expectations may have dropped a little. Five for 64, what were you thinking uh, when that was the scoreline that you were uh, confronted with yesterday?
0: it looked like a rapid test at mm. that stage and it was the continuation of what had happened as adelaide went on a, a batting lineup that was completely overmatched so yeah as i think australia did an outstanding job taking 5 wickets in the first 2 hours this is a this is a total road and it has been prepared as a red ball pitch Um, so you don't get the variable of the red ball, the hardness and the longevity of it. So we spoke yesterday, it looks beautiful, but there are a few conventions with pink ball pitches, which include sort of seven to eight mils of grass, and this is presented as a, a red ball pitch. I think it would have, I agree with... Nathan Lyon and Mitch Stark it would have made for a a hell of a good red ball test but yeah so there's no conforming to the peculiarity and the circumstance of the pink ball. I I think it's a batter's paradise once that ball goes soft and Stark said the ball went soft after about 11 overs so there was the inexperience in that West Indian batting lineup as they sort of find their way in test cricket as when to defend and when to attack and when they got a little bit bit of momentum they got giddy with it and got themselves out Uh, so the partnership of De Silva and Hodge right through that um, well, through the next three hours was brilliant it was there was temperance to it there was discipline Uh, And then there was some beautiful stroke making and then they got the heavy hitting at the end of the day. So um, eight for 266 is a little bit unders for the team that wins the toss and bats first in those circumstances. But today is heavily overcast. Might be a really good time to bowl. I I think this is neatly poised, much more so than would have been imagined.
1: I was just having a look at some of the records of of some of the guys, especially Hodge and De Silva. De Silva's got a a, a, a test ton against England in 2022, but this is Hodge's second test. He's got four first class tons. Um, when when you look through the statistics, it's not great reading, and we know that they're throwing a side together in a manner of speaking, the West Indies. So there's got to be an enormous sense of pride uh, in what those two were able to do. And then Alzari Joseph, who just came in and sort of didn't really seem to assess the, the state of play and the, the, the time of the day that he'd entered, wasn't really interested in just getting his way through to stumps. He, he really went after the Australian attack and probably had the presence of mind what you spoke about, that it's a softball and uh, I might be able to cash in here, but they can certainly take something out of the day.
0: Yeah, it's that that decision to rattle along at the end of the day. The new ball had been taken, so we know that's a that's a double edged sword, as mm. it does bring wickets. But that ball flew to the boundaries the way that Elzari Joseph was hitting it, and it was a, again, it was a good effort for Australia late in the day to pick up that wicket and just curb that threat as we regather here today. So, yeah, as they will, the more Test cricket. That a, a batter plays the more they learn their game so carvin hodge is 30 he has played a lot of cricket so he should know his game he was overmatched on a tricky pitch in adelaide but right from the moment they came out after the tea break those two batters were in control and and really that was a chanceless session that they put together and um, they, they made 81 runs in that two hours i feel like Australia's accomplished batters would have made plenty more yeah. than that but that's uh, it's a sliding scale so excellent that that's the fight that you want to see is mm. that the individual and the collective commitment to it uh, to provide the the fight and to the resistance and to give themselves a place in the game and the circumstances might dictate for the moment it is heavily overcast in Brisbane in fact the hessian is down on the pitch is these might be tricky conditions with the pink ball. It might be the equivalent of that twilight period unless it burns off. So it it certainly gives them something to bowl at. But they would love to tip that beyond 280 and their dream would be to get to 300. I... Um, and Shamar Joseph showed us what he can do in Adelaide. So I wouldn't discount that. But, yeah, I think a little bit under par, but for what the West mm. Indies needed, they're, they're in the game.
1: Well, that's all you can ask. I mean, we had 40 calls ringing yesterday doing a nearest-the-pin prediction to get their hands on the uh, Odyssey uh, AI1 putter. Only three out of the 40 had the West Indies making over 200. So Dave on the road, who had him all out for 262, is a very happy man yeah. today, <laughs> G. Um so, the the crowd yesterday, when you got there and when we spoke, you said there wasn't really that many people around. It ended up getting to over 23,000. Public holiday today, are you expecting a, a bigger turnout than yesterday?
0: I would guess, yes. Uh, public holiday Friday, the circumstances are this will be the best day of the, the test with Australia batting mm. is, uh, you know, I, I would think plus 30,000. Uh, yesterday was an excellent turn up given that what we'd said is we're out of school holidays up in Queensland, Um, the Thursday start is traditional, but but we're two months away from where it would normally have been. So that gives you that lovely idea around the the rhythms and the traditions that are built around the test match in a city when it really holds its place. So um, yeah, excellent. And I think we'll help thrust the Gabba forward as the starting point for the two tours of um, when India and England come here in the next two years. and, And that will feel right. Um, beyond that, there, there are huge questions around what is going to happen here. The state government has put a 60-day pause on the whole Olympic project, so uh, it's wretchedly unclear as mm. what's going to happen, as whether the demolition and the, the total rebuild is is still going to be the plan in 60 days, so we're not quite sure, but... Um, This this has been a traditional stepping off point for the summer for good reason. There's a pilgrimage aspect to it from all over Queensland and from outside the borders. It does belong at the start of the summer, and I would sincerely hope that for India and England it goes back to that position.
1: Geez, Queensland aren't going to pull a Victoria on the Commonwealth Games or the Olympics, are they, Jared? You're not when, when there's no cause for alarm, is there?
0: I don't know to be honest. Oh dear. Is the yeah the landscape has changed a lot here and and Robert Craddock's always my best guide on this mm. and he conceded late last year it was the first time he'd ever thought that maybe it was a little bit shakier. Uh, it might be a remodelled prospect. Is it, is the Gabba is it's a tired ground it is. for what a modern stadium is and it pales against certainly what is there in Adelaide and I think Perth is is just a brilliant Absolutely. modern stadium. So the Gabba needs at at the very least the full refurbishment. But if it's going to stage a games, is um, it probably does need to be knocked down and rebuilt. But in the modern world, that's that's a big exercise.
1: Uh, all things going well, Jared, in the in that landscape. When we get back to uh, I suppose you know all regular transmissions with our test summer. Do you like the look of two day night tests? Brisbane, Adelaide amongst the three day tests?
0: Uh, so I, I am a fan of pink ball tests mm. and day-night cricket, but I, I'm, a, I'm an Adelaide guy. Uh, the formula in Adelaide and the way that city sets up for that test match, I think that's perfect. Now, there are some old-school soccer members who don't like that, And they ended up with the day test this time around. It's a much better fit, I think, in Adelaide than it is in Brisbane. And we had the one in Perth, which it didn't really seem to um, spike. And it ends up being too late on the East Coast. So in the deals that are being done, and Cricket Australia had spoken about wanting to lock away seven years with every state, uh, I would hope that we come up with that formula where Adelaide is the second test of the summer and it is... It is the single day nighter. I think the only other case you could make would be that in time the SCG, which is the pink test, became the pink test in every other way. That's the only other place that I would consider a day night test. Um, I, I don't. I don't think it's very well suited to Brisbane.
1: Jared, um, sporting tragics. So I reckon one thing we all have in common is we're all suckers for a team. Whenever it's a, whether it be an all Australian team or whether it be you know whenever someone's putting a side together of the very best in the world, it's got my attention. What did you do? What did you make of the uh, ICC uh, Test team, the One Day team of the year? Osman Kawaja, the Test player of the year. Pat Cummins, first in Steve Smith to be the uh, the, the the cricketer of of the year. Um, I know you love a good team. What did you make of the ICC teams?
0: So the, the first point was Kowaja was clearly the test player of the year and it yep. wasn't even close. Um, Pat Cummins was obviously the best all round as he led, as well as his extreme accomplishments, he led teams to be the World Test Championship and the World Cup winners. Um, the teams themselves are hurt by the fact that uh, everyone plays a different level of test cricket, yep. both in the number of games that they play and the circumstances in which they play them in. So I think it makes it a, a fearsomely difficult task. It's much easier to put together the one-day team of the year. But I had a leaning towards the team of the World Cup. Is that's the premier tournament. That's where everyone got to play in level circumstances. Mm. Uh, all the teams met everyone got their go against the the best and uh and the developing nations so i I had a preference towards that uh india dominated that team as they dominated the tournament up until the semi-final and the final well up until the final is they dominated their semi and then australia got the the better of them in the final that they had been the best team of the of the world cup up until then and virat Kohli was clearly the player of the tournament so that that's why they dominated that 50 over team um it, in a way it's a it, like it's a it's a great exercise but it's a bit too random um with test cricket. And what are the numbers this year? I haven't got them in front of me. But England play seventeen tests or something like that and Australia play nine. And then there are uh all sorts of vagaries along the way. So it does um yeah, it, it makes that difficult. But I, I love the end of year teams that are put together in the papers and we debate them and it is a notch for any cricketer along the way and I absolutely salute Pat Cummins and Usman Khawaja for their for the nods that they got
1: and I had a chat about with this with Bryce McGain the other day that Alex Carey might have been a surprise for some people as the wicket keeper given that even though he played less test Johnny Bairstow had a much better batting average and there was a couple other keepers who might have had better batting numbers but when you looked at the keeping numbers and maybe that's again the weight of the, the test play but Alex Carey was the superior gloveman and therefore was named as the wicket keeper of the year and Do we, our expectations on our Australian wicket keepers, Adam Gilchrist has done a number on all of them, hasn't he? Because some people were like, oh, surely not with an average of 24. He can't be the best keeper in the world. But we're talking about the best keeper in the world, aren't we?
0: Yes, although I do think in the modern world it is that keeping position is a mixture of batter and mm. keeper, and that's inevitable. It, it might be a changed and high bar in the post-Gilchrist era, but that's just the reality, and it's the reality for every test-playing nation. Is that The trick to that is you can sort of go, oh, I didn't really have carriers is that? But then you have to write down the other keepers of the world. Um, was, it, uh, was, was it Crash's team at the end of the year that had the Ireland keeper? As uh, in that uh, position, I so,
1: think so. Th-
0: yeah, it wasn't. Carey wasn't didn't have one of the great years that a wicketkeeper's ever had, but you just have to be best in class. And the the number of test matches and the consequence of the test matches that Carey played uh, was heavily in his favour. And I do think like his glove work in India was absolutely outstanding. Mm. And then his his year tails badly after what happened at. At Lords, but until then uh, he was at the peak of his powers. So, yeah, is it, you have to it's like arguing about the forward pocket, is you, you have to line the forward pockets up against each other, not go well, he didn't have a, an all time year for a poor forward pocket. You just have to be the best of the year.
1: Um, Mitch Stark, 350 test wickets, uh, extraordinary achievement. Um, he's just the third pace bowler to do it. He's got DK Lilly in his sights. Um, where. <laughs> He's an interesting one, isn't he, Mitch Stark? Because he's come under criticism at times in his career, yet his results uh, speak for themselves.
0: Yeah, he's been a he's been the absolute archetype, volatile fast bowler, uh, and that gives him a special place. Is you can't. I do think the criticisms are now a long way in the past. Yeah, um, like years ago, and he has changed as a bowler. And that has led to the change of opinion and also has led to better results than he had previously. I Mm. think he's clearly a better test bowler now than he was six years ago. He's always been lethal with the white ball, but he is erratic. That's part of his charm. Mm. He's, He's wild and fast and... There are days where he can barely hit the cut strip and there are days where he's (laughs) absolutely unplayable. But the record that he has put together, and I think Dennis Lilly is the absolute perfect counterpoint for him, is he will in the very near future go past 358 and for a long time... And in fact, I think that endures beyond Glenn McGrath's numbers anyway. As Lily has such a vivid place in our imagination, and yeah. Stark's the culmination of Stark's career. Never mind what he's done with the white ball; is going to be more than that. So, uh, yeah, he, you you take what you get with Stark, and the days where he will frustrate. But um, to have that firebrand fast bowler has served his teams so well, and. Yeah, as I say, I think he is a much better Test bowler now than he was five or six years ago, and there's a lag sometimes. Is the criticisms that are levelled against him belong in the past, beyond isolated spells of which the most recent one was in Perth, where it looked like he'd never bowled before.
1: <laughs> hey, G. Before I let you go, um, you're uh, obviously you'd front up whether you won 150 million dollars last night, regardless. So I know you'd be there anyway because of how much you love what you do. Um, Next week, there's 200 million up for grabs uh, in the Powerball. And I asked the question if we had franchises in this country, if you were able to buy an Australian sporting organisation, who would you be buying and why?
0: It, it, so I was thinking more globally with that sort of cash.
1: Well, who, I think uh, I, would, okay.
0: I would buy Spurs from Daniel Levy, or I would buy a share or a controlling interest while was there. <laughs> uh, I'm emotionally invested in that. And I think it would be fun to be financially invested in it as well. So that was the one that most readily came to mind. If you want a money spinner, um, I think I'd be buying a T20 franchise. Um, And you you can't quite do that in Australia yet. Yet. But the way the world is going to develop on that front, I'd buy it, hold it, and then sell it to India when in the time <laughs> when it was
1: right, when it was primed and right. There ripe. you go. Smart business. Uh, Jared. have a great day today. It's, uh, we've got a game on our hands, which is all we can really ask for, and we look forward to hearing you from 2 o'clock with the rest of the team.
0: I think this will be a great day's cricket, and uh, the batting lineup, which has been underwhelming all summer, and there have been excuses offered. There are no excuses today. It's time to see Australia put up a big number.
1: All right, Skipper, go and address your team before you head out uh, for the day's play, please.
0: Yeah, so I'll talk to the ground staff. It's just that hessian
1: is just a little bit worrying at mm. the moment. All right. Well, any further updates, I'm sure you'll let us know. Have a great day. Terrific, Sam. Jared uh, Waitley, the skipper of the SEN test commentary team from 2 o'clock today will head up to the Gabba to set the scene on, as Jared said, it's going to be the best day of the test and you won't miss a moment of it on SEN.